So good. Well, uh, you know, on Friday night, my first night ministering, I mentioned that I'm a little crazy, and I am a little crazy. I wrote a book called The Risk Factor in 2010 with my dad, and uh, so risk is something that I love to do. I, I definitely, you know, go for it, and I find myself doing crazy stuff. My wife is here, and you should ask her what are the craziest things that I've done. And uh, there, is, there is a plethora of stories. But I mentioned, I'm like, you know, I'm crazy enough that I would go paddleboarding tomorrow and pray on the lake in Springfield, Missouri. That I know that in the summertime, it's kind of like the thing to do. But, uh, but Phil, at the end of the session on Friday night, goes, well, I've got two paddleboards. So if you want to go tomorrow, I'm game. And I'm like, oh, wow. My, my level of respect for Phil just went way up in the areas of this is a fellow risk taker. This is someone that does not care about the circumstances or the conditions or, you know, it's not, a, it's not something that you see very often, people paddling in January in Springfield, Missouri. And if I could find brothers that have that kind of, you know, out-of-the-box courage and taking risk, I, I, it's a bond that happens. And I went in my jeans. We, we, we were here till late in the afternoon uh, ministering, and we got to, we were supposed to meet at 2.30, and we went to go get food, and I, you know, told Bill, like, okay, yeah, I got a BD. I could, you know, I've got some stuff. Well, we're at lunch, and I'm realizing, oh, no, I'm gonna, we don't have time to go to the hotel, and so well, we met him at Springfield Lake, and uh, we paddled, and what was so cool, it was, uh, we saw, like, signs where it says, eagle viewing. Yeah, eagles, like you saw these signs going into the, you know, the boathouse and deal, eagle viewing and all this different stuff. And, and so we're paddling out there and we took communion and it was just beautiful, incredible time to pray. And, uh, <laughs> and there, we see like 16 eagles sitting in the tree. Wow. And then we started declaring and decreeing over Springfield, Missouri, wakey, wakey, that there is an awakening that's happening in this land that people would wake up to knowing Jesus. People would wake up to knowing the Holy Spirit, knowing the Father, that there would be like an alarm clock going off in the spirit realm and that people would be awakened. But there's another awakening that's happening in our country why not start right here in Springfield, Missouri? So we were declaring wakey, wakey, and then all the eagles, because they're just chilling in the tree, and then they hear some crazy people screaming wakey, wakey, and they decided to fly off. So we're watching all these eagles fly, you know, over us as we're declaring wakey, wakey over the land. So it was a really cool afternoon. I don't know what you did yesterday afternoon, but that's what we did. It's pretty amazing, you know, that doing these paddleboarding deals and, you know, obviously I'm like, okay, hopefully this is translating because I am from California and I am a surfer and you hear, you know, some of the stuff that I've done and you're like, well, I don't know if we could do that in Missouri, but I'm so thankful for paddleboards and, you know, just uh, this, it's a, it's a prayer mat, it's a prayer vehicle. And my prayer is that you would begin to discover your prayer vehicles. I'm not restricted or limited just to 
my stand-up paddleboard being a prayer vehicle. You know, I jump on the bike and I pray. I put on my shoes and pray. We walked around the city limits of Reading as a team. Isaac, my good buddy here, who traveled with me quite a bit and, uh, and was helping us out a great deal working with us and catch the wave. Uh, he walked with me where we walked 66 miles around the boundary line. We would just take it section eight miles, 10 miles at a time, picking up garbage, asking the Lord to heal our land. And then we ended it with a marathon. It was amazing. We walked it, you know, but it wasn't, you know, it was, it was good. It took us like eight hours. It was amazing. But there's something beautiful about worshiping God, like you begin to grow. It's just, you know, I don't know if you've ever heard of the concept of 10,000 hours. You become an expert when you give yourself 10,000 hours to something. So that means you got to put your time in. Oh, Jesus. Maybe, maybe this has hit this. Like, because sometimes you'll see like guys like Lou Engle or, you know, I might say things like, oh, I did a per paddle for 20 miles. And people are like, what in the world? There's no way I could do 20 miles. And I would be in your shoes in January of 2021. That was in January of 21, I had never paddled over a mile. And it's not about the paddling. It's about worshiping the Lord and asking him, my heart breaking for the land. My heart breaks for our country. And, you know, Phil was talking about mental health issues, talking about, you know, addiction. And that's something that's very close to me where I have seen so many suicides and so many uh, overdoses that my heart just breaks of like, hey, there's blood in our land. And this thing's stirring in me of, well, not on my watch. Like, like the Lord wants to release wineskins and strategies on how to displace the enemy and establish and lose the father and his kingdom. But the deal is, is you don't get the strategy or the wineskin until you get out there. Breakthrough usually doesn't come from sitting on the couch. <laughs> I was speaking at a church in Chicago, and this guy just screamed out, that's grown-up talk right there. That's grown-up talk. That's one, of the, that's one of the best ones. That's grown-up talk. You know, again, I, I, I wrote a book called The Risk Factor, and I remember you know, making this point in the book where I talked about joining the spiritual weight room, that sometimes it's intimidating when you see people in the prophetic and you see Chris Valentin or, you know, Sean Bowles moving in the prophetic, and you have to understand that they were in a journey, that, you know, there was, there was a time when they enrolled in the spiritual weight room and they could only lift five pounds in the prophetic, that I remember being 14 and being a freshman in high school, and I discovered the weight room. I was only 115 pounds. Uh, I was skin and bones, and I had to beef up to play high school basketball, so I discovered the weight room. Obviously, you could tell I'm a pretty extreme person, so I went in that weight room, and I was like, all right, I'm working out every muscle group. 
I was in there for three hours. But there was moments of intimidation. There was moments that were screaming at me, I don't belong here. I'm, I'm a newbie. I remember like the girls and the, uh, the, the uh, varsity girls team, basketball team, they were lifting, you know, the chest press, the bench press. And, and I'm like, all right, like they had 25 pounds on each side. And, and, and I'm like, okay, I could do that. And I go pick it up and I bring it down and I realize I can't pick it back up. So I'm like screaming, help, help. And the girls had to come and help me. It was a really good humbling experience. And so I worked out like every muscle, and, and, and my grandparents owned a health food store, so they, you know, I said to my grandparents, I need some like a protein powder, and I remember this, this guy, his muscles had muscles, that if you take this for 10 weeks, you'll look like this guy, and this guy probably had never taken the protein powder in his life, he's probably on horse steroids or something like that, but anyways, I'm like, one scoop a day for 10 weeks? No, no, we're doing 10 scoops, so I just like, the thing's more a solid than a liquid, and and I'm thinking, I'm going to be ripped tomorrow. And that night, I wake up with the worst calf cramp. I almost put a hole in my bedroom wall because I was in so much pain. I had to take the next day off of school because I couldn't get out of bed. I was so sore. My body, like usually pain communicates, ow, don't do that. You touch the hot stove, you burn, ow, don't do that. My muscles are like in rebellion saying, Chad, you were not made for the weight room. But I pressed in, I kept on working out. And I started getting less sore. I started lifting more weight. And then my summer going into my sophomore year, I weighed 160 pounds. put on some good muscle. And it's important that we enroll ourselves in the spiritual weight room and that we learn from others that are lifting more weight or are more experienced. We ask them questions, but we understand too that those people had to start somewhere. They once had the first weight room experience of, man, I don't belong. But they just kept on going at it. Jesus, it's time to enroll in the spiritual weight room. Sometimes when you feel intimidated or you feel you have a narrative going on, I don't belong here, it's, it's, you should take courage because you do belong there. Oh, Jesus. Well, I'm going to talk to you about Love, and I'm going to talk to you about communion. That God so loved you that he gave his only son so that you could have life, that no one should perish. And so this whole deal of love, John 15, that the greatest manifestation of love is that you lay down your life for your friends. It's a religious spirit that focuses on laying down your life. It's a religious spirit that puts the focus on sacrifice. Oh, Jesus. The focus has got to be connection. The focus has got to be love. Love. 
in every covenant relationship, whether marriage, whether it be business partners, whether it be your covenant relationship with God, sacrifice will be involved. Sacrifice will be one of the ingredients. But you, you cannot have a sustainable, thriving covenant relationship if all the focus is on sacrifice. Jesus had you in mind when he died on the cross, but you better believe when that nail was getting deeper and deeper, he started thinking about those that he had fish tacos with, those that he slept in caves with. I'm doing this for my best friend Peter because we have equity, because we have connection. We have memorial stones. In October, I was in North Carolina, and I just heard the Lord whisper to me, the invitation to come up to the mountain of transfiguration comes through saying yes to a fish taco. He had multitudes that he was discipling. He had his 70, and then he had his 12, and then he had his inner circle of three. That means that there are identifier moments of these guys are my best friends. And he invited those three up to the Mount of Transfiguration. It just wasn't a happenstance. It just wasn't, oh, you know, who, who, who out of the 12 should I? I don't know. Downey Thomas, he's probably never going to believe what happened up here. That was more of a joke, but anyways. <laughs> he invited those three for a reason, because he had equity with those three. See, the deal is, you know, my relationship with my wife, Julia, I'm not focused on the sacrifice. I'm focused on the equity and the connection. So when sacrifice is required, it's easy for me to do so because we're so connected. And it's the same way with the Lord, that you would be so connected, that you would be one with the Father, that you would learn to abide, you would learn to commune, you would learn to begin to experience his love so it, so it increases your capacity to love him back. You will have no capacity to love him until you let him love you. And when you encounter God, your capacity grows in you loving him back. Jesus. By the way, this is all evangelism. This is evangelism. If the church can just get rocked by God's love. And we begin to learn to abide. We begin to learn to be one with the Father in the sense of it's not something we attain, it's something that we become. The moment you ask Jesus to come into your life, you begin the journey of being one with the Father. Oh, wow, you guys are, you guys are giving me that look on a Sunday morning. Okay. John 17, verse 22. The glory which you have given me, Jesus talking to the Father, the glory which you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one just as we are one. I in them and you in me, that they may, that they may be perfected in unity so that the world may know that you sent me and, you, and love them even as you have loved me. There it is. There's evangelism. To encounter the God of love. 
to know that you're one with the Father. You are not separated. It's not something that you need to attain. It's not like you need to go to a seminary. You don't need, to, you don't need more training. No, you, when you become a child, when you become a son or daughter, you are grafted into the family where Jesus is your big brother and you become one with the Father. That is reality. It's not something you're waiting for. It's not something, okay, I need to die and get to heaven, and then I finally get to be one. No, you're one right now, as Jesus was one. All right, let's just keep reading. Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me be with me where I am. That isn't in the future. That's right now. You know you're seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus? I mean, when Jesus is talking to Nicodemus in John 3, he's like, hey, here I am talking to you, but I'm in heaven. That's the reality. Oh, Jesus, that is the reality. Let's just read verse 24 again. Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me be with me where I am so that they may see my glory which you have given me. For you loved me before the foundation of the world. You're right there in there. He's loved you before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, although the world has not known you yet, I have known you, and these have known that you sent me, and I have made your name known to them, and will make it known so that the love with which you love me may be in them, and I in them. Obviously, you have another scripture in Matthew 13 where Jesus says, a new commandment I give to you, that you would love one another. The world will know you're my disciples on how you love one another. Like if we could just forget about loving the world. And if we modeled love within the church, a love that does not come from convenience, a love that does not come for like, Oh, you know, I've got the butterflies, like a love that loves, that sacrifices, that gives her life, but it's not on that, it's on the connection. And this is definitely, I've been hitting this a bit, is this whole vertical, horizontal deal that's so greatly connected. In 1 John 4.20, how can you say you love God and hate your brother? You're a liar. That your relationships in your community, in your church, greatly affect your relationship with the Father. We're called a model love that's never been seen in the world. And it's time for us to be swinging away. What does that look like? Where you begin to carry love. Jesus. So I love going to crazy places. I love going around the world. I love going around my country, just releasing love, whether it be, you know, where the enemy is trying to attack my generation of going to treatment centers. I shared some stories of, of just seeing treatment centers getting saved, getting set free. It's been beautiful, you know, working with people with PTSD, working with special needs kids. It's been phenomenal just to carry love where you need to have like, you know, different things. Like it's going to bring a smile to you. 
You could actually feel your heart smiling at times or your crying tears of joy. I remember watching this two-year-old with autism and this would just be like one more. And this two-year-old would be pushed into like a, a six-inch wave. And every time the two-year-old would get done, she'd just be like. And I watched 30 different waves caught. And I would just cry just saying, How, what a privilege to take this two-year-old with autism out surfing. And all he keeps doing is just one more, just one more, just one more. I can't get out of the water with that happening. This uh, October, we did a pretty crazy deal. We, uh, we, we did a prayer paddle. So we do these prayer paddles. We do these things called wow services, worship on water. And, uh, and so we, I discovered that, that witches gather together and they do their own version of a prayer paddle. They release curses and the whole deal in the land. And I was up in Portland in uh, January of 22 and I had a good friend, Chris Overstreet, and his buddies, they were showing me this YouTube clip of a news, you know, the Portland News doing a, a piece on this, you know, witch paddle that they've been doing four years in a row, and then this last October was five years in a row, and I think it was the year before they had like 200 witches, and so I was like, you know what, like this is one of my assignments, is to go out in the water and to pray, so I'm like, well, it's crazy that the kingdom of darkness is doing this. So I'm like, game on, let's go. And the Lord says, hey, treat this like every prayer paddle you have done. That the focus is on me. You're loosing my love. You're loosing my kingdom. You, you know, that's not this whole thing of binding. It's not this whole thing of a confrontation that we're coming with love. There was a bunch of covens that came together, and it's very intriguing because, like, it'd be very similar to the church. Like, how many people have a paddleboard in, in this room? Probably not that many. Hey, go ahead. You could raise your hand. Who here has a paddleboard? Wow. Okay, there really isn't that many. But isn't that, isn't that intriguing that the kingdom of darkness is like, hey, we're going to push our agenda by way of paddleboarding? Like, I'm like a little bit confused, and I'm like the guy in the church leading the way to go paddleboarding and connecting with God, and I'm like, wow, they're choosing paddleboarding? Like, like how many uh, in a coven, like, go out and paddleboard? Probably very small percentage. Like, why would they choose this as their vehicle? Like, why not, like, everyone owns shoes. Why not do, like, a march through downtown, or everyone, you know, a lot more people own bikes. Why don't they do, like, a biking thing? And, but I found out they're doing this in so many different cities in America, it's the Saturday before Halloween. They're not just doing it in Portland. There's like seven spots in California they're doing it. They're doing it in Denver. They're doing it in Dallas and Austin, Texas. I don't know if they're doing it in Missouri anywhere, but I mean, I know they're doing it in Boston, Massachusetts. They're doing it in Florida. Like there's like Phoenix, Arizona. I mean, it's crazy to find that all the witches, all the covens are organizing. This is their way of promoting their agenda. They're, they're nonprofits. They're doing food drives. They, the Portland guys, they did like a kitty shelter thing, which I guess is on brand. But anyways, I had plans to drop into a whole different spot. And then we had some team members that needed to rent paddleboards. So 
the rental spot said, hey, we can only drop them in this boat launch, and that's where all the witches were getting ready. And I told my team, I checked with the father, and I'm like, dad's like, yeah, we're all good. Just treat it, again, like it's every prayer paddle you've done. Like, you know, take communion and all stuff. And I tell my team, hey, let's be Jesus. Let's, let's help people. And then the Lord told me as well that morning, I want you to high-five as many people as possible because you're contagious. You need a point of contact that, that you're carrying me inside and that Jesus, when he walked the planet, he was carrying love and he was not concerned about sin. He was not concerned about leprosy. He was not concerned about the prostitutes, about the drunkards, that, that he would just hang out with them and they'd be like, Jesus, what is it about you that we feel so safe or, or we, we, we feel like there's something coming alive inside of us and I don't even know how to articulate it. He's like, oh man, if you like hanging out with me, you're going to love hanging out with my dad. Because if you see me, you see the Father. And that will be one of the greatest ways of evangelism the church will ever step into is when we can say with confidence, without reservation, if you see me, you see the Father. You could show that video. Uh, this is uh, me before launching out with the witches. There was 14 of us that paddled. Isaac was one of us that uh, went out there. And, um, and then Julia was the land crew. We had six other people on the land crew, uh, which was pretty special. And uh, we, we launched. Before launching, we uh, took communion and it was just so incredible to take the blood of Jesus around. You know, it's really easy to say that if God is for me, who can be against me? In your living room, on the couch, drinking some coffee. Or you come here on a Sunday morning and you're worshiping. How beautiful it is for us to come together in unity and worship our Father it's so beautiful, and, it's, and you can feel the courage, strength in numbers, but when you're, like, surrounded by 400 witches, and the deal is, is you're not consumed by the enemy, you're consumed with how close the Father is. And compassion begins to bubble up as you're doing spiritual readings, as you're loving those around you. You're realizing, because we would be paddling and you would have witches because they were doing an out and back. So most of the witches would be paddling, you know, downriver when we we're paddling upriver. And, and you would see these people and your heart would begin to break of like, hey, this is, these are human beings. They're human beings. God created them in, in his image and desires relationship with these human beings. I don't know if you have that video. Oh, yeah, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. I was just stalling. All right. Here we are. Releasing the goodness. Releasing peace. Releasing love. Releasing. Wow. It's a little kitty. Oh, it is. Yep, Thank that was a you. cat. For your presence we thank you lord that we just Those let are all our witches. Light shine in the darkest places we just say lord cover this place with your presence lord we just release your goodness wow jesus <laughs> wow jesus so here's the deal 
like, I would talk to so many intercessors after this, and they're like, Chad, we're, you know, they're from Phoenix, or they're from Denver, and they're like, we've all known about the witches, but we never knew that you could go out there. Like, we would go out after they got done, and then we would, you know, bind all the curses that they were doing, and, but they didn't know. We didn't know that you could go out there. And the deal is, for me, like, love says go. Like, if we're going to be a light, that means there's going to be dark places to let our light shine. Why, why are we shining our light when there's other lights around? Let's go find some dark places and let our light shine. It's crazy, like, how many people... You know, we're, we're accusing me of being a witch hunter, which was interesting, or that, that we were, you know, letting the enemy, like, opening the door for the enemy to attack us and the whole deal. And I'm like, guys, like, like devil is very, very, very small. And these people need to encounter love. So I'm not going to do that from, like, the shore. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to go out there with them. <laughs> one one moment there was like you know a good 20 or so witches paddling and and this thing just came over me and sometimes I say things that are a little crazy and I you know feel the grace to do it at the moment but I just started screaming I'm being possessed right now I'm being possessed by the greatest spirit the spirit that brings me peace the spirit that brings me comfort the spirit that leads me to my father and this spirit wants to possess you they're all looking at me like, you know, they're like a good 30, 40 yards away. And they're all like, what is this guy talking about? I don't know about you, but I, I pray every day, God, possess me. Like Gideon, put me on like a glove. But it's those moments when I get around where the enemy tries to intimidate or the enemy tries to bring fear that I could feel love grow because his perfect love casts out all the fear. Me being one with him, if he is for me, who can be against me? But you need to have moments where that is a real deal. There's something coming against you. And it's probably not the human beings, but they're spiritual forces for sure. We would be, you know, paddling, and there'd be, like, these witches, like, where's your costume? And I'd be like, oh, I'm wearing my costume. It's on the inside. It's Jesus. But by then, it was like, you know, they're going downriver. We're going upriver. So that confrontation only lasts for, like, 30, 40 seconds. They'd be like, well, what are you doing here? And then they'd be, like, going down, and I'd be going up. See you later. <laughs> Jesus. Again, you know, this assignment of like I was, you know, tapping, you know, my paddle against other people's paddle, like just releasing this, this impartation, releasing this deal of what I'm carrying is contagious. It's greater than any spiritual darkness or sin or whatever that, that, that Jesus comes to love and brings transformation. How many of these witches dealing with depression? And the other thing is, is we're, we're not all focused on the witches. 
It's so important for us prayer warriors that we're not focused and, and dead gaze on the, you know, the spiritual darkness, that we're gaze and focus on the glory of the Lord, that we're loosing the kingdom of heaven, that it could take anyone to bind. But it takes someone who's a citizen of heaven to loose. Someone who's one with the Father and knows what it looks like to be one with the Father. I only do what the Father is doing, where you begin to have a track record, and that's the life of learning how to loose. So, like, we're making declarations. One of the videos we have, I'm like, all right, team, like, make the declarations. And they're like, you know, like, you know, uh, 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 kingdom government officials, like, end depression in Portland, you know, healing to the families. We're not even talking about the witches because that's not our whole assignment. Oh, Jesus. If I could just get it in you to just get out there, to carry love, to be one with the Father, but then get out there. Jesus got out there. We're called to get out there, and then God will begin to give you that strategy. Don't do it the other way of, okay, I'm contending for a strategy, and I will not move until that strategy happens. Maybe it might be just the first step. So the first step is the hardest. And then once you get that momentum going, you get out there and you start experiencing because then God started giving me strategy while I'm out there paddling with the witches of like, wow, what can we do better to show love? So we've been doing communion. Every prayer assignment, we take communion and communion has been a game changer. And I feel like there really is one of the markings of this move of God that's, that's in the beginning stages is communion. So every time we take communion, when we do a prayer assignment, we always pour the blood of Jesus, either in the water or in the land, depending on where we're praying. Asking the Lord to come and heal the land. Let his blood wash through the land. So I started, you know, from Redding, California, I started praying and taking communion on the Sacramento River. And then I sent a, a video to Lou Engle in uh, July of 2021 of us taking communion on the Sacramento River. And he goes, he goes, Chad, you're doing my dream. And I'm like, Lou, you're like the prophet of dreams. Like, what dream are you talking about? And he's like, when I was in Redding last. Oh, we're on the phone. So I don't know. He's probably doing this, though, because... Every time I'm with him, you know, I mean, at the airport, I remember being in a security line with him, and he's like, oh, Chad, I hope we make our flights. Raise up the long hairs. Okay, so anyways. Um, so he began to tell me that I'm doing his dream, that he had this dream when he was in Reading last, that he was walking the Sundial Bridge with Bill Johnson, and he asked Bill, where do you catch fish on this river? And Bill goes, where the river bends is where you catch fish. So he walks down river and where the river bends, and he sees the water turn from blue to red, and there's like thousands of fishermen catching fish, and he hears the voice of God in his dreams saying, out of Reading, 
increment. And he goes, you're doing my dream. And I'm like, game on. I'm doing your dream. So I decided this is an assignment worthy where I went from Reading all the way to Sacramento Airport, which is like 240 miles, and I'm going to finish it by going from the Sacramento Airport to the Bay, to San Francisco, where the blood of Jesus is coming out of Reading into the Pacific Ocean, touching the distant coastlines and islands and countries. I'll never forget going to Pirate's Cove of April of 2021. It's where the birthplace of the Jesus movement happened, where they baptized tens of thousands of people. And we did a, a worship on water there. We did baptisms. And then we took communion. And I took this, you know, jar of wine, and I poured it in. And, and, and we went in, I went into an open vision where the blood of Jesus hit the water, and the blood was just increasing and touching the distant countries. It's his blood that transforms. But this deal that, you know, I've, I've talked about a little bit of covenantal transactions, that there, to do covenant, you have to have two parties. And so we do this in remembrance of him of taking communion. What an amazing act where he gave his life. So that we could be one with the Father. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of the Lord. That Jesus died so that his blood could be sprinkled on us in Hebrews 10. And we get to go into the throne room of grace with boldness. Not when you get to heaven right now. You get to go into the throne room of grace with boldness because you're sprinkled by his blood. Jesus. Maybe I'll just hit this really quick. Can I just hit like a, like a sacred cow? Like just, let's just kill it. Here's the deal is you have a lot of teachings and I've seen it and it's very intriguing because generations will usually react or they'll, 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 they'll begin to go on their own journey based on what happened the generation before them or two generations before them. And I've seen this come into the church, and it's been around in the church in ebbs and flows, but it's, you know, with social media and all that fun stuff. But in the mid-2000s, I started seeing and hearing all these teachings on hyper-grace, and then it turned into a place of, like, you know, in the, in the 2010s of, well, you know, universalism and, you know, all this stuff of love and what, how big is love, love wins, all this different stuff. And, 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 you know, all this theological talk of hell, is there not a hell, annihilationism, all that stuff. And I'm like, guys, why are we using so much energy and vernacular and theology, which I love that. I, we should have that theology, but it shouldn't be on the forefront of trying to articulate the boundary lines of the outer courts and the wilderness. When we're supposed to model as the church what it looks like to live in the holy of holies. And if we could just, like, take care of modeling that, there won't be a discussion of why would we even care, like, to go to hell. Like, we want to live in the holy of holies. I could give you my thoughts on hell, but I would say don't go there. God's pretty consistent. So he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So if he, you know, is sending fallen angels there and he introduced free will for the first time and he's introduced free will the whole time with us, you know, <laughs> mankind, then I think he's pretty consistent. But anyways, 
It's not the question. Like, that should not be our big concern. Our, like, place that we should be living and modeling is what does it look like to live in the Holy of Holies? That's the greatest way of evangelism. Oh, living with my girlfriend, okay. Like, God, like, you know, forgave me. It's like, man, if you could just model like, you are living in the Holy of Holies with the King of Glory. Like, that is a, that's a pretty good, like, place to be. It changes your whole life. Oh, Jesus, I think I killed that enough. But, but then we get out there. We learn to be a light that in 2015, the Lord told me, Chad, I'm going to give you wineskins and strategies where you're no longer going to chase people down with evangelism. People will chase you down. So that's why we started doing wow services, worship on water, and we would go paddle out, and people would be like uber, super intrigued. Is this a spiritual thing? Is this? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, come with us. And then they end up getting saved. It's amazing. One thing I love to do is taking people out with trauma, uh, out surfing or out in the water, out in the lakes, where I just get to serve my community. And there was this lady, Isaac and I uh, got to meet April 3rd, I believe, or it was April 4th, one of those days, after a crazy dream that I had that I, I shared last night a bit about the Bob Jones dream. If you weren't here last night, you should definitely hear that portion. It was a very, very significant dream where God's raising up friends. That is the commissioning that's happening is he is looking for friends. Royal changers in the Old Testament, in the New Testament, the common denominator is they were friends. They knew that they had something to contribute in this relationship. Jesus. So we got to meet this girl. She was in a wheelchair, and she was uh, beaten by her husband with the back end of a machete. She was unconscious in a coma, and then her husband thought, oh, I might have, like, killed her. So he shot her in the chest, left her there to die. Friend finds her half an hour later, takes her to the hospital. She's in a coma. She's got a punctured lung. She's got no exit wound in her back. The bullet is lodged in her T8, T9 of her spine, and she's paralyzed from the chest down. Ten months of recovery. She's in San Diego, and she married, you know, this guy at, like, 17, had four kids. It was an abusive relationship. And I'm telling you, God is healing families. A lot of people talk about how crazy, you know, gang life is and gun violence. And you have to understand that over 70% of gun violence is domestic. Oh, Jesus. I don't know if that really sinks in. Like, gangs are such a minor part of the problem. We need healing and wholeness in our families. Malachi 4, 6. 
turning the father's hearts towards the children and the children's hearts towards the fathers. Just so that you know, there's a reason why they didn't say children's hearts to the fathers first. It's our job as fathers and mothers to be the first ones. What's wrong with this generation? What's wrong? You got to watch what you say. Don't create division. Don't create, you know, chasms of why this generation is so different from yours. That, that you have wisdom. That you're called to be a father. Called to be a mother. That, that we're called to help this next generation. Helping doesn't always look like correcting. But Jesus... So I met her, she's in this wheelchair, I hear her story, and I tell her, I see you as a seven-year-old girl walking the beaches, crying, saying, Dad, I wish my dad would teach me to surf. And she just starts crying and wailing, and she goes, oh my gosh, that's like what I said at seven years old, that I wished my dad, my earthly dad, would take me surfing, and he never did. I never surfed, and now I'll never surf. And I'm like, whoa, 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 God put me in your pathway. That's what I do. I want to take you surfing. So we got to take her surfing where Isaac and I, we got, we were on the board for her first wave. And it was so beautiful. Like she had her kids with her. And then after we got some waves, we, she's like, I've never, I haven't swam since being shot. She was shot in 2016. And, uh, and so we took her out swimming and she's just crying, laughing, like hysterically, this laugh that I just have barely heard from anyone. And she goes, that's the first time that I didn't feel handicapped. I didn't feel paralyzed. What an epic privilege to be there to assist, to help. Crazy story of forgiveness, 10 months of her recovering in 2016, and her Future ex-mother-in-law calls her to say, hey, my son, the, the guy that shot you and beat you, is going to die. He's lost a bunch of weight. He's got, like, you know, a bunch of different, like, diseases and, and sicknesses. And, and they're, they're telling him that he needs hospice care if there's going to be any chance of survival. And so the judge says if his wife, who he shot, forgives him, pardons him, I will pardon him. So this mother-in-law is calling her, will you pardon my husband? The, I mean, my, my son, the guy who shot you. And she hears the voice of God say, if you want to experience true freedom, it's not about him, it's about you. That you would forgive him and let it go. You will be in prison yourself if you do not, if you let, hold on to unforgiveness. Incredible story of forgiveness. And then we had another guy that I got to take out surfing. And see, you know, I know that you hear surfing and you're like, okay, that's just like Florida or California or North Carolina. Like, we can't do that here. It doesn't matter where it is, and it might not be surfing. Maybe it's taking them out fishing. Maybe it's taking them out whatever it may be that you're called to as a sweet spot to model love. 
that you would reveal love. Like this is when we take these guys out on the beach, we've got everyone in the beach, hundreds of people intrigued, curious, asking us questions. What are they doing? We're not chasing them down. We're not giving them tracks and flyers to come to church or whatever. They're like, well, church is happening. And they're really, really excited and curious of like, whoa, this is a Jesus thing? Oh my gosh, you guys are amazing. This is incredible. People crying on the beach. Because they're watching love be displayed. So this man, he got, I shared, I think it was last night about this. No, no, no. It was yesterday morning that I shared about this. But I have an epic video that I'm going to end with uh, that shows us taking him out on Father's Day. He was run over. It's a hit and run. Guy was drunk on Super Bowl Sunday, February of 2016, and, uh, you know, left him there. He was riding his mountain bike. He is a dad of five sons. He just had his fifth son. uh, Well, Lori, his wife, just had the fifth son. Uh, four months old, he had not taken, he had taken out his three oldest sons, but he never had taken out his two youngest sons out surfing because they were two years old and four months old when the incident happened. Well, this is crazy because the wife carries forgiveness where she drops the charges and forgives the guy that does the hit and run. They find him the next day. He is, her husband is the breadwinner, a real estate, he's in real estate, and, uh, and he has a brain injury. It's not a spine issue. He's not a quadriplegic. He cannot communicate. He cannot talk. He cannot, you know, respond. He has involuntary movement, meaning like, he, he, you know, he still can move, but he can't control his body. And I got to take him surfing in 2019, but when I took him surfing, In 2019, my heart just broke for his five kids where this thing came over me of what every dad, if you're breathing, every dad should have rites of passage moments with their kids, whether it's hunting, whether it's fishing, whether it's surfing, biking, whatever it may be, that every dad should have rites of passage moments. And I was like, you know what? I want to take him out on Father's Day and take him out surfing with his five sons. And it was incredible because Doheny Beach, Father's Day is very crowded. You had, like, we paddled out there. First of all, this is a very serious deal because if we have a wipeout, he could, he could potentially die and drown. Because he doesn't, you know, he just has his mouth open. Like, he doesn't have any control of swallowing. So it's a little bit, you know, pretty serious stuff, but I feel pretty, you know, like God is, is going to cover us, and we're going to make the practical things where we're going to set them up for success. Thank God we got three waves, and we had no wipeouts, but it was so beautiful to go and paddle out. There's a hundred people in the lineup. My buddy's a Green Beret, and he goes, hey, everybody, this is Steve, and we're going to get party waves with his five sons, and we're going to celebrate him as a community, and everyone just starts cheering. People started paddling over. Can, can we pray for him? They didn't even know we're Christians. They're like, can we pray for him? I'm like, yeah, you can pray for him, and like, it was so beautiful to watch the community come together. And I just want to release, as we watch this video, I want to release that you would begin to, to partner with the God of love, of thinking, how do I get to transform my community through love? 
So enjoy this video. I'm Lori Schenkenberger and my husband Steve Schenkenberger and we have five amazing boys. Steve is addicted to surfing. Surfing is his passion. He wanted to live in Nicaragua. I'm Lori Schenkenberger and my husband Steve Schenkenberger and we have five amazing boys. Steve is addicted to surfing. Surfing is his passion. He wanted to live in Nicaragua for surfing, Indonesia. He would take these guys out surfing when they were one years old. I was in the hospital having our second kid and he would take him out surfing with a pacifier in his mouth. The Steve's accident was four years ago on February 5th, 2017, and he was mountain bike riding and he got hit by a drunk driver, which was a hit and run. They ended up figuring out who hit him, and um, there was a long journey. I'm sure they'll figure it out, but if they don't, it's okay as well. But here's the deal is that I just feel like there's an invitation for you guys as a church to take ownership of Springfield, Missouri. That, that this is me taking ownership of California, that that's one of my assignments in this season is to really cover California, but also to cover our country. That's why I'm paddling through rivers and biking, you know, I, I plan on biking from North Carolina to California. Like, like it's not just a California thing, and there's going to be many assignments. And I hope that I could hit that to you guys, is that God wants to give you many assignments. He's, you're not limited or restricted just to one or two or three. Like, he's given you many assignments. And to steward those assignments well, be be oozing love that it's not about, you know, uh, maybe I could hit this. Oh, there it is. There's my phone. That video, it's okay. But here's the deal is because if we don't have love, then it's, then it's, it's not, it's for nothing. Like you go out and do evangelism. You go out and move in the prophetic but if you don't have love oozing all around you, inside of you, you're one with love, then it's going to have no fruit. It's going to have no sustainability. So this was, you know, after getting inundated in uh, the social media world, being told that I'm partnering with the spirit that killed 80,000 people and all this fun stuff, I was like, you know what? I think you guys aren't getting why I'm doing this. This is what I wrote. Oh, is it on? I'm Lori okay, Schenkenberger and my husband that. Steve Schenkenberger, and we okay. have five amazing boys. After a ton Steve of messages from this day, let me clarify something. This was not a showdown, it was a show up. Because that's what love does. Love shows up. Love never leaves you. Love never forsakes you. 
Love shows up. The reason why I follow Jesus is he was loved to everyone. He ministered and was in the presence of everyone. My team didn't go out there to confront witches, but to bring life, encouragement, and most importantly, love. We didn't plan on paddling out there with them, but circumstances happened where some of our crew had to rent paddleboards, and the company only could drop them off where they were doing a witch paddle. I told my team to be Jesus and to serve and love. We aren't here to confront, but to be Jesus. We had team members helping blow up strangers' paddle boards, moving our cars so other people can park, gave spiritual readings, and most importantly, one of the most important things to do in evangelism, smile. I know that seems crazy and Captain Obvious, but you would be shocked to find the people that we go out to do evangelism with, and they look miserable. Come follow me as I follow Jesus in my misery. It's like, wow, just smile. It's a really good evangelism tool. But anyways, most importantly, smile. <laughs> uh, Jesus. Everyone needs to understand these are human beings that God breathed life into and desires to know them. Jesus was consistent in loving who was in front of him, whether it was a tax collector, leper, prostitute, or a blind beggar. Everyone is worthy to know love, and that's my greatest mandate. So when people say, don't go there, or those people are evil, just remember, we are called to love everyone. So this is us loving Steve and his kids. Yes! I'm Lori Schenkenberger and my husband Steve Schenkenberger and we have five amazing boys. Steve is addicted to surfing. Surfing is his passion. He wanted to live in Nicaragua for surfing. Indonesia. He would take these guys out surfing when they were one years old. I was in the hospital having our second kid and he would take him out surfing with a pacifier in his mouth. The Steve's accident was four years ago on February 5th, 2017. And he was mountain bike riding and he got hit by a drunk driver which was a hit and run. They ended up figuring out who hit him and um, there was a long journey of forgiveness and healing and friendship with the guy who hit him and inviting him to go to church with us and him rededicating his life to the Lord. And I was just blown away by what God was doing in this whole accident and everything else surrounding it. Being out there in the water with all his boys, that's what Steve would have wanted to have done on Father's Day. We just got to Ground Zero to Doheny. We're taking Steve out and Lori and their sons. And uh, we're gonna get some party waves on Father's Day. You know, this is for all the fathers that are out there that maybe have circumstances, uh, conditions where they can't take their kids out on ride of passage journeys as a father to a son or daughter, that it's a privilege to be a part of a community to help those that, that need assistance to, you know, they're still breathing, they're still a dad, and we get to take them out surfing, and this is the kind of stuff that I was alive for, is to help your neighbor, to help your community step into 
fatherhood. Let's just all gather together and just let's celebrate Steve as a dad. That dad is his greatest identity is being a son and a dad. That he is not, his identity is not handicapped. His identity is a dad. And so we bless you, Steve, on Father's Day. And we bless you to, to catch waves with your sons, to go and have fun with your sons on Father's Day. And so, Lord, we just pray for a hedge of protection. We thank you for all the servers out here watching and making sure he's all good. But, Lord, we thank you that there's angels here to protect him as well. And, and Lord, we just pray, Lord, for just the heart of a father to connect with his kids. Lord, here we are together as a community to rally around Steve and Lori and Lord and their household. And we just pray, Lord, that they would have epic times with you, God. They would have epic times as a dad. Steve, we just say that you are an amazing dad. This is where you would be before this trauma happened, that this is where you would spend time with your sons. And so here we are today, June 20th, 2021, to spend time to, to, to be with you as you enjoy catching waves with your kids. in June and in October, Steve graduated to be with the Lord in October. And what a privilege. Because those two sons that had never served with their dad, they can't say that anymore. They'll be in their college years. They'll be in their 20s. They'll be in their 30s. Say, I got away with my dad on Father's Day. And that's the deal. That's the privilege of just helping others. Loving others. That is what we're called to. So Lord, I pray that we would discover moments like this. Each one of us, that it looks in different shapes and sizes, but it's the same spirit. To assist, to help, to love, 
Lord, I pray, Lord, that we would discover the Steves in our life. Lord, that what a privilege to serve. So, Lord, I pray that we would have eyes to see, ears to hear. Who are we called to love? What does it look like? What are the places that are burning in our hearts to release the God of love in our city, in our communities, in our neighborhoods? So, Lord, crash in. Crash in in Springfield, Missouri. Crash in in Dayspring. That love would crash in. I feel like some of you, you, you have an assignment and you're like, oh, I don't know if I'm ready or what if this goes wrong? What if that goes wrong? Well, I had a plenty of things to go wrong. And I'm telling you, I feel it. And I've talked with a lot of different intercessors and prophets and apostles and pastors and evangelists and teachers about you could feel a spirit of fear that came into our country to another level in 2020. And you have to understand that it takes courage to break fear. That was something that was very courageous. It takes courage to go and paddle 20 miles going, I don't know if we're going to make it. But it's all wrapped up in love. And you have to understand the two times that Israel was paralyzed with fear when the Philistines surrounded Saul and Jonathan and Jonathan with his armor bearer just goes, let's go take out the Philistine outpost. And it was that act of courage that awakened Israel out of hiding in caves And then you had Goliath taunting the armies that would just sit in their tents as Goliath was taunting the armies of the living God. And David, a 14-year-old, was his act of courage. If no one else is going to take him, I'll take him. So, Lord, I pray for courage over the people in this room that you would begin to be encouraged, that, that there would be a, just an inflowing of courage into your life, but you would do it in the name of love. Because it's His perfect love that casts out fear, but courage and love are greatly connected. How many times will angels told Joshua, do not be afraid. Jesus telling his disciples while calming the storms, do not be afraid, it is I. Take courage. So Lord, I pray for courage in this room. Courage that loves greatly. Courage that goes to places that are dark or goes to places where people have said, oh, don't you even go there. You're going to get slimed. You're going to get, well, no, 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 I'm contagious. You don't understand. It's Christ in me, the hope of glory. Oh, you don't understand. That school, that school is the worst school out of all of them. I can't believe I'm assigned to that school. Just take courage. Take courage. So, Lord, I pray for courage that is so wrapped up in love.
that it breaks fear. It displaces fear. So, Lord, I pray for a dose of courage at Dayspring. Amen. All right, bless you guys. Thank you so much. Well, thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. I just feel like the Lord just wants a, he wants movement, you know, so let's just stand to our feet. If you want to get in the river, if you want to get in the ocean, then just, just come on down. If, if, if you're hungry for the Lord and a hungry for a move of God in this city, if, if you're hungry to take Springfield, then just come on down. Come on down. Christy, can we, uh, can we do that song, the Jesus song, the, his name is Jesus. Um, I believe we're supposed to declare this over the city. I believe we're, we're supposed to come together as one to say this is our city and we're going to love it well and we're going to take it for Jesus. And as we, as we go around, if you guys want to, just minister as wherever the Holy Spirit wants to take you. And, uh, but but I, I, just, I just want everyone together doing something. That's why I want to do this worship song. Everyone together, whether you're wherever you are, let there be movement. Let there be some movement. Because this is, this is the souls of 160,000 people. Many of them in the Valley of Decision. And we have an opportunity to come in and, and show love. So thank you, Jesus. Come on, let's just worship together. If you need to leave, you need to head over, get your kids, you can. We've got these gold buckets up front here. We just want to bless. If, if Chad and Julie have been a blessing to you, just, just, just come stick something in there for them. Like I said, if you need to get your kids, just bring your families back over. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Come on, let's just worship together. Yeah, please. I just feel like the Lord is saying, um, this is the land of caves, right? This is the geographical land of caves. And I felt like as Chad was speaking about courage, I just saw the Lord and I felt like he wanted to call out those that... Um, <clears throat> You've been in hiding because you're scared, um, because you don't know what to do or how to get there. But I feel like God is saying it's time for you to come out of the cave. And obviously caves uh, geographically represent like safety and you can hide in them and it's, it can be a good thing. But I felt like God today was just challenging some of us in the room. Um, what are you called to do? What are you called to come out of? and to um, just kick fear in the face and just come running into the call that God's put on your life. And so, Lord, in Jesus' name, I just prophesy that those that who you are calling to come out of the caves and be courageous, just like King David, when he came out of the caves, he came out of hiding and he came into his destiny, Lord. I just declare that in this church, that there would be a rising up of courageous ones that that are willing to just come out of the cave and just come into the fullness of the destiny that you've called them to. So, Lord, we just decree and declare that now in Jesus' name. Yes. Just uh, invite uh, Dad... Uh, if, if you want to just walk around and minister, you can stay up front and get ministered too. That's fine. Holy Spirit, let's press in. Let's begin to declare 
His name is Jesus. Uh, any of the elders want to just begin ministering, lay hands on you can as well. We're declaring this over our city. So as we sing this, we're declaring the name of Jesus over this city. We're declaring that we are sons and daughters, that we have been called by the example that God gave us to be one with the Father and, and, and to show the love of God to this city in every unique way that you were made. Each one of you, it's going to look different. Each one of you, it's, it, it's going to be... It, it, it's going to be a different expression of the Father. But one of the things that Ch Chad said is, God is so expansive. That how, What's the population of the world? Seven billion, eight billion right now? I, I lose track. Is it, is it eight? There, there are, God is so big that it takes eight billion expressions of himself. <laughs> eight billion unique people on this planet and it still doesn't touch who God is every one of you are unique and as we sing this together let's just declare this thank you Father it's only one strong enough to save this only 